What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It's a Thursday edition. It is July 12th. Hope you are doing well. Wish the best to you and yours. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's a daily NFL show presented by CBS, owned, produced, and presented by CBS Sports. Today, we've got a great conversation with Brady Quinn, former Notre Dame quarterback, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, first-round pick, Friend of mine. I love Brady. Brady's the best. Uh, you can follow him at third goal. That's three R D underscore G O A L. Uh, he and his wife do a fantastic job with their charity. And, uh, you can watch Brady on cbssports.com backslash live to see CBS Sports HQ, our live 24 seven streaming network. Um, not going to have any beer talk at the top. GC sports guy on iTunes has quit the beer talk three stars. It's a football NFL podcast, not a beer podcast. I could care less. Actually, care less. You could care less is two words. If you're careless, that's one word. GC sports guy. Jerk. What beer you're enjoying that day? Why not mention other beverages like today? I'm enjoying a nice, refreshing orange juice from dot, dot, dot. Or today is a great day for a Dr. Pepper slash Mr. Pibb. Or what's better than a blue Gatorade on a hot day like today? What's your incessant need to discuss beer? You seem like a 21-year-old kid who wants to impress his underage buddies by announcing that you can drink. Actually, that's not it. Um, if it comes across that way, I'm, I'm really sorry. That, that never meant to be. Um, the, the goal is to pass along good beer that people might want to drink. I would also highly recommend red Gatorade or blue Gatorade. I love all Gatorades. You could, uh, I don't, I don't do soft drinks anymore, but if you're really big into soft drinks, GC Sports Guy, Mr. Pibb, that's fine. Dr. Pepper, okay. Try Cheerwine. It's from North Carolina. It's the best soft drink you'll ever try in your entire life. Highly recommend it. Guess we'll, you know what? Actually, I've already recorded the interview with Brady, so I'm going to have to give you the, the beer talk now anyway. Don't care. Sorry. Goodwill Hopping by Noda Brewing. Whew. Very nice IPA. Also drink, uh, New England IPA. Also drink some water because water is good for you. Hope you're happy, GC Sports Guy. There's some news in, in and around the NFL that we've got to get to. Thank you to everyone who subscribes, rates, and reviews. It's always appreciated. You can contact me anytime on Twitter, at Will Brinson. If you're a Facebook person, uh, it's Will Brinson Sports, facebook.com backslash Will Brinson Sports. And if you want to email me with your fantasy football, beer, or Mr. Pibb questions, Fire away at willbrinson at gmail.com. I try to answer everything in a timely fashion, but sometimes it doesn't work out perfectly. Um, to the NFL. LaShawn McCoy, ha- there's a very uh, disturbing situation that's unfolding around LaShawn McCoy. We don't know the exact specifics of it or his involvement in it, but the, the nitty-gritty here is that there was an invasion of McCoy's house in Atlanta that ended up with his former girlfriend in the hospital. Um, someone that no one knows posted on social media that LaShawn was involved in it. LaShawn has since posted himself. And by, by the way, that post has been deleted. That is notable. And LaShawn has since posted himself a statement on Instagram noting, quote, for the record, The totally baseless and offensive claims made against me today on social media are completely false. Furthermore, I have not had any direct contact with any of the people involved in months. End of statement. And really, look, the pictures are gruesome and very concerning. Um, The police are investigating. It's really too early to, to really dive into it. 
take the statement at face value and take the fact that they're investigating at face value, you know, we're daily. So we'll revisit this as it comes along. Um, I mean, it's really all we can do at this point in time. Additionally, this week, Adam Jones, free agent cornerback, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, has, uh, he, he was at the airport and, uh, some dude started something with him and they ended up in a fight. And as a result, the guy, the airline employee or airport employee was arrested and Adam Jones was there. Pac-Man Jones was there. That also is still being sorted out. A whole lot of stuff going around uh, in the NFL. That That is basically the gist of the news over the last two days. Worth noting, today is July 12th. On July 16th, which is Monday, that's the deadline to sign any and all franchise tag people to a long-term extension. So Demarcus Lawrence, Le'Veon Bell, um, Ziggy Ansah, all, anybody who's franchise tagged this offseason that hasn't worked out a deal has until Monday at 4 p.m. thereabouts to figure something out. So keep an eye on that. I would guess we don't see a whole lot of action and that most of these guys end up playing out that tag. But that is the uh, the, the gist of the news so far. We'll be back on uh, Friday. Madden, Madden Ratings Podcast on Friday. Very excited about that. More details to come on Friday. Make sure you tune into that. And, of course, training camp starts next week. So we'll have uh, the, the daily podcast. Maybe we'll go on the road. Maybe we'll go to some training camps to check it out. We'll let you know about that as well. In the meantime, let's go talk to Brady Quinn. All right, Brady, what an honor to have you on the Pick 6 podcast, my friend. First of all, congratulations on your four-hour radio show. No, I'm just kidding. Congratulations on your second kid. <laughs> you had a, uh, you had a, you had a, a second child, which is awesome. And, uh, you, you've been a dad for a while now, but you are now, you have moved your radio operations from your home, I assume, to the CBS Sports offices where you are doing your four hour Sirius XM radio show that people should listen to first thing as soon as they get done listening to the Pick Six podcast, right? Yeah, I was going to say the best part about this intro is one, I've, I've had the four hour radio show for a while. No, I know. Two, <laughs> our, uh, our, our daughter's name, it is, is, is our second girl. We had a daughter. Her name's Tegan, which some people feel like is a bit confusing because they're like, well, it could be a boy, it could be a girl. It's kind of ambiguous. I was like, well, um, it, it's technically, it's, it's Gaelic or it's Irish and, uh, it's, it's, it is a female name in that sense. So sorry for the guys out there named Tegan, but that's, that's how we looked it up. That's how we found it. Uh, but I do, I do appreciate the congratulations. Uh, yeah, two, two kids now. Gonna keep working on that when the time comes. Uh, but other than that, check out the radio show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm always on with, uh, Bruce Murray, uh, but on Sirius XM channel 88. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of NFL talk. So there's a lot to still discuss, even though it's the off season. Yes, there is. Uh, and you can follow Brady at third, is it three RD? Is it third RD underscore goal. goal? Yeah, third goal on Twitter. I didn't, you had to explain it in the audio fashion. Um, but you can follow him on Twitter there and you can watch, I think we can watch you on CBS Sports HQ, right? Aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Of course. Still, I've still got a couple of days left in this current contract, but I am in, in the process of renegotiating that. So yeah, at least until the end of August when the terms of this current, uh, this current contract are up. Well, there you go. So for the, if you don't see Brady on there, you know what happened. Uh, they'd be fools to let you go. Uh, uh, all right. So you actually had Eric Winston on and just to, pull back the curtain we're recording this on uh tuesday for the thursday show that's how it works in the off season because we're not reacting to stuff as much as we would but you had eric winston on your show and he talked about the nflpa's grievance against the nfl uh, for the national anthem policy 
I'm curious, like, where, as a former player, where do you stand on the NFL just sort of swooping in and, and putting that policy in? And what did Winston explain about the grievance? Yeah, so he, he couldn't really go into too much detail only because, uh, ironically enough, he kind of said that the NFL has asked them to kind of not um, give out too much information in regards to the private discussions that they're having, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny only because it's like they're publicly filing a grievance. Uh, but I think, look, here's the deal. Uh, he came, he basically came to the point of that they both want a solution for this moving forward. And they felt like this policy was put in place, uh, largely by the owners without much, uh, thought by the players union for that, that matter. They may have talked to some players, um, but they felt like this was something that was put in place by the owners. And, and even though it, you know, satisfies what they believe will be a potential solution for all that, and you can even, um, you know, take, uh, no, yeah, yeah contest with, with, with that considering the fact that the, the Jets agreed to this this policy and then immediately come out and say that they'll pay for any fines that their players may have if they would still like to protest. So it just it doesn't make any sense why you would agree to something and that puts in, in, in place these sorts of um, fines that would be you know handed out to the players if they did decide to to protest the anthem. Uh, but like seconds before you agree to this sort of deal, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like either you want to make those donations. Right. Uh, for the players to the league in, in lieu of it being a fine, or you, you weren't happy with the policy altogether but didn't want to hold it up, and maybe that was part of the reason. And, and anyway, the point is this. Uh, I think the players' union would like to come up with a solution that still allows players to express themselves and their political beliefs and so forth but still honor the flag. And the problem is you've got a divided group of players, some that don't believe, uh, for example, like Zane Beatles, who you know we had on on today's show earlier, discussing um, when he was out there with in, with in San Francisco playing offensive line for them, uh, where it all started, you know, with Colin Kaepernick yeah. and talking about his involvement in the protest and and just uh, or not, I should say lack of involvement in the protest, but his involvement in the conversation in that locker room, and, and just the fact that you know he doesn't agree with the way he did it, but he's you know he thinks it's it's pretty. Um, courageous considering what Colin Kaepernick has essentially done um, to put something that's, that's bigger than the game of football and something that he believes in passionately uh, above his own well-being. Um, so he kind of talked about that, but talked about you know it, it not being something that he would have done it in that way. And I think there's a good amount of players that feel that way, that wouldn't want to disrespect the flag. And so that's the hard part of the union is you want to represent the interests of the players in this matter. And I think they just want to have a more um, collaborative uh, policy that takes into account some of the things that they would like to kind of air out to the owners as a union. Yeah, it's it's hard as a union if your job is to represent and take care of all the players to to hit that wide swath of people because you're you're inherently talking about a bunch of different demographics. I mean, even though everybody plays football, these people come from different places, have different life experiences, uh, have different political beliefs, and that shows up in you know the fracturing of a locker room. I think it's really interesting how that. It sort of went un, under the radar last year in terms of how various teams dealt with that. I know the Steelers had a lot of action when it came to that. And I know, I know it's not going to cause the, yeah. the team to go off the rails, but I mean, a lot, you know, the, the locker room chemistry matters when it comes to how a team plays. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, well, I, I was to say, like, I knew yeah. actually as a player I talked to who, um, you know, I'm not going to say who he is or what team he was with, but he was extremely frustrated because they had spoken the locker room as a team before the game about how they were going to handle this whole issue. And it really came about after the comments from our president, Donald Trump, and they came up with a solution. They came up with what they were going to do. And as soon as they got there on the field, they did what they said they were going to do before the anthem. And then they, they agreed that they were going to stand for the anthem. 
And then once the anthem came back around, the, the same players who were protesting before decided to continue protesting. And mm. I think, so I think that agreement that they thought they had made between their team all of a sudden went out the window. And there was a lot of frustration and a lot of dissension between the players on that team. And that particular team dealt with a lot of adversity. And this only added to that uh, and it added to some of the, some of the division that was on that team more so. Yeah. And, you know, Football is, you gotta trust each other, right? Like, and so, if, I mean, if somebody goes, if somebody goes rogue and decides to protest when you're not thinking, everybody thinks they're on the same page, I mean, the, the, the comparison to that of as to what happens on the field, you know, that's somebody misses their, like, decides to block or do something, you know, block somebody other than their assignment and all of a sudden blown block quarterbacks on his back and, uh, strip sack to the end zone, something like that. That sounds about right, right? Um, in other heady, heavy news, heady and heavy news, Jerry Richardson's statue in front of the Carolina Panthers stadium is not going to come down sort of to the shock, I think of, and I'm not sure if you saw David Tepper's press conference or not, but he, he told, he said that he was quote contractually obligated in quote to keep the statue up, which means that somehow in the process of selling his stadium and his team, Jerry Richardson went out and stuffed uh you've got to keep the statue of me up in front of the stadium even though I was fined 2.5 million 2.75 million dollars basically booted from the league and forced to sell the franchise that I brought to the Carolinas uh you got to keep the statue of me in front of the stadium and it's a ridiculous statue it's like Jerry Richardson yeah. holding out a football and like like being surrounded by two panthers like he's some sort of lion king figure i mean it's it's so absurd and it's not going anywhere any thoughts on that yeah, I think my initial thought is this. You know, you can go around our country and find plenty of statues of people who have mm. accomplished great things that were immoral or did dumb things or handled themselves in sexist or racist ways. Um, and so my whole thought on, on that in general, not just in the game of football, is, um, you know, people should educate themselves on the individual as a whole, not just for one particular thing. Uh, like as much as we want to, you know, sit here and talk about the things that, Jerry Richardson did in his workplace. And, and again, I'm not privy to all the information and everything else. Uh, no as one everyone feels like they are in this social media day and age. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think if you look at the fact that Jerry Richardson accomplished the goal that I think a lot of players wish they could accomplish in being a former player who ends up owning a team. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who's a current player in the NFL, um, you know, owns, owns a minority stake in the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, maybe some would be willing to help give him a, a share in the NFL franchise or Peyton Manning or someone. Uh, but at this point in time, you know, you, you look at people like that as a former player and you say, from a business standpoint, what he was able to accomplish was remarkable. And there's something to be said about that. Now, again, people need to educate themselves and they don't need to, you know, model themselves after the way he conducted his business or, um, his, his, you know, views politically or philosophically, but, as far as that goes, um, I don't think we need to all of a sudden tearing down every single statue because we feel like they're put up because they were a good person. Well, let's not forget that's typically not why statues were put up. Uh, <laughs> last time I checked, no one's getting a award for being a good guy. Typically, you get a sticker for that. You get a statue for a much greater accomplishment, but that doesn't mean you weren't a dick. <laughs> I'm going to, We'd put, like to say that on the podcast. I think so. Um, I okay. said I said ass yesterday with Brian McFadden, so. Um, you're not wrong. Look, the, Jerry Richardson, and it's really weird. It's very complicated. I live in North Carolina, obviously. 
and well, that's a complicated place. It's a very it's back back asswards, <laughs> if you will. You guys get the ACC tournament back? Is that coming back anytime soon? It's not the same being at Barclays. I'm just uh, throw that out there. I I'm with you 100. percent And look, man, I got a shirt. I like I hate Jim Beheim because he bashed Greensboro. I got a shirt that says Greensboro versus Beheim. Um, cause I'm so pro North Carolina. Like, what is it, what does this guy have against Denny's? There's lots of nice. I have no idea. Greensboro is fantastic, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Greensboro is right. a great city. Yeah. yeah. You'd be hard pressed to find any bad part of North Carolina. Mm. It's just what the bathroom laws there. That's the whole issue. They, they, they got rid of it. It's gone. It's gone. So what's the holdup, man? Bring it back. Bring I think the ACC tournament back. I think they're going to do a rotation with the ACC tournament. So they're, they get the ACC championship in football back in Charlotte, but they're going to do a rotation they, where it's like Greensboro, Washington, D.C., the Barclays, and it's going to be Barclays for like the next two or three years maybe, and then they're oh. going to start rotating. Um, and, and then they're going to, I think, maybe include like Tampa in there for some reason. I don't, I don't yeah, know. That, that Barclays Center is built for a crappy uh, Nets team and then concerts. Nothing <laughs> else. Hockey's crappy there. The ACC tournament's crappy there. Like, don't even get me started on that play. Well, the, the problem cool on the outside, not good on the inside. The problem is you can't. You can't send, you can't expect to like expand the tournament to Tuesday and Wednesday with, it's like Boston College versus Wake Forest and expect more than 15 or 20 people, non-players to be in the Barclays in New York. Like to yeah, take, you got like their family. If yeah. their family actually cares about them a little bit. And they know? don't. I mean, let's, these families oh. don't care about them. Um, I don't know how we got from you using the word dick on this podcast of that, but that's fine. Um, yeah, I think you, I think you can say, I think you can say basically whatever you want outside of the S word and F word. I, I think, I think we're good for that. So, um, but yeah, you know, Jerry, it's complicated. Jerry Richardson's legacy here is complicated. People in these tweets, like the Panthers sent out of the sales finalized and half the responses are, you know, burn in hell, Jerry, and the other half are like, this was a great man who brought football to this part of the country. I mean, you know, it's just a bunch of simple country folk and, and they don't, they, they like well, the football and they don't care about the stuff off the field. And maybe they're a little bit caught up in, in being from the 1930s. No, I, I get it. And it's complicated and people are probably conflicted because, you know, much like this country, right? And yeah. many of the complications we have of how it started. Mm. Um, but, but it's here. It exists. And I, I think we all view it as the greatest country in the world, um, even with the horrible things that, that have happened. So, you, I mean, I, th- that's the complicated part of it all is you kind of I wouldn't say compartmentalize, but it, it's tough to sit there and look at it, especially if you're a Carolina Panthers fan and you didn't have a football team, you didn't grow up with one. And now you do. And you're so you're probably appreciative of the success that they've had. And look, they've been to a Super Bowl they have a couple now, especially the most recent one with a 15 and one season. I mean, this guy brought you that, you know, he brought that experience that you'll never be able to forget. Um, but behind closed doors, bad guy. And, yeah. and that's, that's the hard part I think is, is nowadays too. We, we're so reactionary to Twitter, which is a terrible indication of anything in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I hate to draw too many conclusions from that. I think most reasonable people, uh, can sit there and say to themselves, they're appreciative of what he was able to accomplish, especially as a former player. Uh, and as a fan of the Carolina Panthers, that doesn't mean they condone or they're in support of how he treated people in the workplace and how that all went down. And that will probably be the way he's remembered. And, um, you know, whether people want to get upset about that or not, it's, it's just the truth of the matter. I will be very interested to find out too if 
David Tepper is contractually obligated. And I don't know that he, I didn't see the whole press conference, so I don't know if he answered this and maybe, maybe he did. I would be fascinated to find out if he is contractually obligated to keep the Panthers in North Carolina or in the Carolina region, because that to me would seem to be more important for Jerry Richardson's legacy, uh, as a, as somebody who brought football to the Carolinas, then, um, you know, an ugly statue in front of the stadium. Okay. Yeah, my, my, I was say my, my indication of that, by the way, because I want to say we actually had him on, or Ooh. maybe we had on. Um, excuse me, we went on the general manager, and we, we discussed that specific topic. Yeah, um, we, we discussed discuss that with Marty because that's that's a concern, right? It's a real concern, especially when you look at teams moving from smaller markets to bigger markets like LA, and there's always the talk of London, and obviously they're an East Coast based team, so oh, that wouldn't that'd be easy to do, right? Um, when in reality, it'd be much more difficult. But and anyway, the the point is, it sounded like from from what Marty Herney had discussed with us is that you know that's something that you know really isn't at the forefront um, of of anyone's mind there, and it was it was sold to an owner with the intent to keep the team where it's at uh, in Charlotte. So excuse me, you know, in, in Charlotte. Yeah, it's in, in Charlotte. In, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was just gonna say, but but not leaving the state of of. Of North Carolina and keeping where it's at. That was my understanding from our conversation with Marty Harney. So if that if that changed, I'd be kind of surprised. I, I just think if that was part of the deal in order to get David Tepper to buy it, that they have to keep the statue up. I'm more curious to like what else is in that, right? Like yeah. what other funky little things are in that, and is there a clause that says you can't put like shrubbery around it <laughs> and you can't just landscape around it and block <laughs> it if you want to, or can you dress it up every so often, uh, however you, you you see fit? Like, what else is in that agreement, uh, or what did Jerry Richardson leave out and did not think of and didn't get creative with? That's in regards to the statue or anything else in the sale of the team. Like, can you can you put a pink tutu on him every summer um, for three months until he finally just like says, "All right, I strike the calls, take the statue down, please stop yeah. humiliating me." I mean, yeah. Can you here's the, can you dress him up would, like the opponent each week? You know, like he could be a Viking one week and a saint the next week and a buccaneer the next week until he's just so embarrassed by this because you know he's going to drive by there and try to go to these games until he's so embarrassed he just gives up on it. Exactly. I mean, you you think at some point someone will come up with something creative if they really want to take it down, uh, but but again, you you have to see what that clause is or what the agreement was. <laughs> Uh, in order for him to be able to keep something like that That's up uh, around the stadium. Uh, okay, let's play a game of buy or sell with some quarterbacks. Oh, actually, first, I'm going to ask you to buy or sell this because I've gotten a bunch of, uh, I can't say this word, a bunch of bleep over uh, my prediction that the Philadelphia Eagles could be one of the five teams to miss the playoffs next year. Buy or sell, the Philadelphia Eagles could miss the playoffs next year. Uh, I'm selling that idea. I, I actually was just going over the roster earlier today with Tom Pelissero and we were talking about just how deep that roster is. Yeah. And I was saying to him that, you know, come around draft time, we start looking at teams and where they could potentially go in the draft. Philly's like one of those teams after free agency, you're like saying to yourself, like if I'm going to the grocery store, like I did this morning, um, to go buy groceries, I looked at my humble, pantry. Humble first, and, <laughs> yeah. I, I would uh, go to the grocery store, by the way. Well, no, I just, wait, you get, you get them delivered and you just have someone else do it. Um, but, you know, so, so I go to the grocery store, but I think someone who's logical looks at their pantry to see what they need or the fridge and all that, right? Yeah, sure. So I look at it and I compare this exercise similar to what most teams do, especially before they go into the draft. And they're sitting there saying to themselves, okay, like we need a lot of things, right? So like we take the best available and we just try to take the best guy available at every single spot because, you know, we've got so many needs. There's that team. 
there's the team that is looking and they're like, you know, we're missing a few things, but pretty good. So this is going to be a pretty quick trip. And then there's like the team that they don't even need to look at their pantry because they know they have everything, but they're going to go because they've got to get like one or two things. They're really just getting it because they don't need it, but they want it. And maybe they'll grab something else while they're there. They're making selections out of luxury. Like that's where the Eagles are. When you look at the roster, they go pretty deep. I mean, you'd have to be kind of picky about how you want to talk about certain positions. Like you might contest that the wide receiver group, for example, Alshon Jeffrey who had a good year last year and Nelson Aguilar, who's continued to improve and Mac, you know, Hollins, who was their fourth round draft pick from last year, like aren't good enough. And then they signed Mike Wallace, right? And then they drafted a tight end, uh, Dallas Goddard in the second round to match with Zach Ertz. Um, so, so they've got some pieces and maybe you're not wowed by it. You look at the running back. I mean, they get Sproles back this year. Yes, they lost Blunt in free agency, but they get, they still have Jay Ajayi. I mean, Wendell Smallwood's, you know, not too bad. Donald Pumphrey was a draft pick from the year before. Like, they're just Corey they're, Clement. They're stacked all the way around. Corey Clement caught the touchdown in the Super Bowl. Corey Clement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have five guys. Like, the question is more of like, who are they going to keep at the running back position? You go on their defense, you probably have to talk about their cornerback position, right? I mean, you've got Jalen Mills and, and he played well last year. No one's going to contest with that. Sidney Jones, who potentially could have been a first round draft pick, mm-hmm. if not for the injury, uh, to his Achilles in that workout. Um, and, and, and then you go on down the line, look at their safeties. They're okay there. Um, you know, the linebacking, you know, group is, is pretty solid and up front. I mean, they're really deep up front. So, you know, that's a team that I, I just look at. I say from a roster standpoint, they're not going to stick take a step back. You look at their schedule. It's not the worst schedule, um, that, that I've seen when looking at, you know, what some of these teams have to deal with in regards to the back to back road games and, um, you know, tough tough opponents early on in the season or where their buy sets up. I always hate early buys. Sure. The midpoint of the season is, is much better because as a player and a, as a coaching staff, you, you need to get about, you know, six, seven, eight games to figure out like what your identity is. And you come in, you do a self scout and you say, this is what we're good at. This is what we're bad at. Let's do more of the good, less of the bad. And let's move on with the second half. And, and so that's, that's why like having it at the halfway point or, or later sometimes helps. And obviously it helps with injuries and all that stuff too and rest. Um, but I'd rather have it, you know, late than, than early, if you know what I mean. Um, no, no, so I'm with you. I, I just, I don't see the Eagles taking a step back. Um, I would say that, yeah, I mean, especially the first quarter of the schedule. And that's, that's really, I mean, if we're being honest when we examine schedules, that's all you can really look at. And even that you don't know because the Titans could be very good. The Colts could have Andrew Luck back. Um, the Buccaneers will not have Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay in week two. And then week one is, you know, against the Falcons defending your championship. That's not a guaranteed win, but you feel pretty good about it if you're the Eagles. I mean, 4-0, anything less than 4-0, I think would probably be a surprise to Eagles fans. My my contention is that they have Alshon Jeffrey, who's dealing with a shoulder injury, and, and we don't know how he's going to recover. Jason Peters, who's coming off a torn ACL and is 36 years old. Carson Wentz, who's coming off a torn ACL, and we're sort of treating Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson like, like they didn't have devastating knee injuries last year. And I get that it's an ACL and we've come a long way medically on that, but it's still a torn ACL. It's going to take some time to get the explosion back. Sproles, you mentioned who I love, but he's coming from an ACL as well and a broken arm at the same time. Um, yeah, look, you're making all these concessions, but like, so Sproles and, 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 you know, Carson Wentz, like Nick Foles was the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, but like, he's I'm not streaky. concerned about he's him streaky. coming in and playing at a high level, I especially the way he, he was able to play in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl last year. And, and they've got a slew of running backs. That, that's more of a, a luxury right now. Like they can afford a guy coming back slow from an injury. So you can try to convince me all you want with injuries and all that with the Eagles. <laughs> they've got enough depth. All right. They're, they're, believe me, they didn't even look at their pants when they left. They just went to the grocery store to grab a few things. 
They got plenty. They're not going anywhere. They'll be back in the playoffs. Pick another team, Will. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I like it. That. Thank you for being uh, aggressive in your cont- uh, contestant of this of this uh, point, Brady. And by the way, I like the idea that there's a team out there that walks in the pantry is like, oh crap, we don't have any. Sh- we don't have any. We don't have any sugar. We don't have any. Sh- we don't have any baking, like, but we don't have any, uh, we don't have any, like. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the New York Jets. There's no, yeah, there's no, there's no chicken breast. Or like, like, they open the fridge and was like, we don't have any chicken. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to make grilled chicken for dinner. We don't have any freaking chicken. Um, and so they just take the best possible chicken available at the top of the draft. Yeah. All right. How old uh, is that? What does it go bad? Tomorrow? I'll take, I'll just cook it tonight. Yeah. All right. Now we got this watermelon from last summer. Is that a problem? Um, <laughs> All right, uh, buy or sell on some, I want to play buy or sell on some, all right, buy or, you can buy or sell on the entire Chicago Bears, but more specifically, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, do you buy or sell that the Bears are the 2018 version of the 2017 Rams? Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm not there with this team. Um, look, the, the Bears don't have any player on the roster that could even come close to Aaron Donald. So for starters, there's that. That's a good point. Um, and, and defensively, they're devoid of having another edge rusher opposite of Leonard Floyd. So that, that's going to be an issue in my mind. Like for Vic Fangio, there's a reason why they, they kept him around because he's that good of a defensive mind and he's able to maximize, um, I think their defense last year with what they had. That's considering the fact that they had some injuries. Uh, and then on top of it, you know, again, they're, they're a team that I don't want to say is, there's a void of talent in certain spots. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, so that's they, kind, they have to be, they, like, like that's a team that when they go to the pantry on defense, they're like, we've got some stuff, but I don't really like it. Like maybe we'll get a better brand or, you know, we, we got the generic brand. We didn't get like the general meal mills. Or, 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 like or we got two, brand. we got two teaspoons of cornstarch. If we run out of cornstarch, we are screwed. You know, like, like exactly. that's, that's their cornerback position. If, if like Amukamara and Kyle Fuller go down, they are in deep trouble. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's a concern, right? Like, because they don't have the depth that like a team like, like the Eagles has. And then on top of it, it's the first year for an offense with a quarterback, like, and, and all these new pieces. You get, uh, Allen Robinson, you've got Taylor Gabriel, um, and, and, uh, the second round draft pick, Anthony Miller, I believe is his name out of Memphis. Um, you've got these pieces that they've all got to figure out this offense on top of, you know, with their quarterback developing that chemistry, you've got a first year head coach, right? So that's part of it too. And you've got the interesting dynamic of Mark Helfrich, who's an offensive coordinator, um, at an NFL level. And, and it's like, there's all those factors kind of playing into working with a quarterback who only started one year in college and not even a full season in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. he's still green. He's still growing and getting better. Um, so all those things amount to, them not being able to win as many games as, as maybe some people are projecting. And let's not forget, too, this is a division with a Vikings team that's better now with Kirk Cousins and Sheldon Richardson on their defensive front, so that they should be really good. You've got Aaron Rodgers back for the Green Bay Packers, and they have a pretty darn good draft to help answer some of the questions that they had on their on defense, and they just picked up Jimmy Graham. So he's going to catch like 10 to 12 touchdown receptions. And upgraded uh, from Dom Cabers to Mike Pettin, in my opinion. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like scheme wise, it should be better, although there could be some hurdles and growing pains in that. Uh, but, but right. I mean, potentially it could be, it could be a big get there. And, and maybe that's kind of like an unsung, un, un, he'll be the unsung hero of the season that no one's going to talk about because it will all be about Rogers. Uh, and, and look, Detroit, I'm not sure what to make of them. Uh, they got some good pieces. Uh, they'll be competitive, not winning the division, in my opinion. Uh, first year head coach too, first time head coach for that matter, but. But, but, that, but that's your division. So they're still at the bottom of the barrel there. And I just, you know, maybe they win 
five, six games. I'd be shocked if it was anything over that. Mm. Yeah, seven wins might be a good season for them in a, in a, in a not quite a take a leap season. Okay. Buy or sell after 2018, we will call Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the AFC West. Is Phil Rivers retiring? Is, is that, no, is that no, no. He has, he has too many children in his house. He can't go out. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, it's a great question because there's, there's many interesting dynamics that, that come in, you know, to be a part of this. For starters, Philip Rivers, if he's still playing, is the best quarterback in the division. So that'd be false. Could Mahomes end up being better than Case Keenum? Yes, that's very likely. So he's, he's better than what Denver has currently on their roster, probably. And then Derek Carr and John Gruden. You know, uh, what kind of, what, what, what kind of relationship does that evolve into this season? Can John Gruden, who hasn't coached in the NFL, it seems like forever, <laughs> Um, could he bring out the best in Derek Carr or could this thing just go up in a ball of flames? Mm. Um, either way though, I think I'd still give Derek Carr the edge over Patrick Mahomes wow. just because I've only seen him start one game. Uh, and again, I'm just not on the hype train of this team. I know they have weapons, but let's not forget this defense has lost a lot of pieces. And I don't think they're just going to all of a sudden recoup what they once had, even with Eric Berry coming back healthy. Marcus Peters is a heck of a talent. Uh, tough to, guy to move on from. Tom Bali's not there anymore. Um, you know, I know you got Justin Houston, but D Ford hasn't necessarily been what they, they thought he would be. So, um, that, that's a team that I think could potentially end up taking a step back to, by the way, in the AFC West. I, I've got the, I had them as on my list of teams who could miss the playoffs. They're scheduled to start. I don't know if you looked at this. Oh, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. At Chargers, at Steelers, 49ers at home, at Broncos, Jaguars at home, at Patriots. I, I mean, yeah. There's not a team in the NFL with that schedule that wouldn't run the risk of going one and five to start the season. Yeah. And I mean, that's, no, I mean, that's real. I mean, that's a real concern. And that's where I also, just from that standpoint, look at, you know, how much experience does Patrick Mahomes really have? And all of a sudden, every, he's their hot team to take this big jump. We'll see. He's a playmaker, but here's my one assessment of him, you know, coming out of college is, is as good as his arm is and as talented as he is, he makes decisions. That'll make you pull your hair out. And for Kansas City fans, you had the exact opposite yep. in Alex Smith. You always knew you're going to be in football games because he was a good decision maker. It was seldom that he'd have one of those Ryan Fitzpatrick six interception games. That just isn't Alex Smith. And that's why I actually think he makes the Washington Redskins um, a, a, a competitive team this year. And I think they'll be more competitive uh, because he's there. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins wasn't. Uh, but I just think they'll be in more cl- tight, closer games because of Alex Smith and his style of play. I'm picking the Redskins to win that division, and I- I'm with you. I think that uh, Ryan Wilson, our, your, your friend Ryan Wilson, was on here uh, earlier this week. He said he thinks Alex Smith is going to have a better season than Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins. What do you think about that? If Kirk Cousins doesn't have a great statistical season, uh, I would amount it to a couple things. For starters, Mike Zimmer's defensive minded head coach. Yeah. So they want to run the football, especially with Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray if Cook's back healthy. Um, and, and they're a defensive, you know, minded team. So look, they've, they've got the ability to, I think, explode and be ridiculous with him at quarterback. And then they've got the ability to be a team that, if you look at the past couple of years, uh, he's not starting at all. In fact, it's Trevor Simmons who's starting. Cause if you look at the past few years, <laughs> their starters gotten hurt like the beginning of the season every year. Then it was Sam Bradford coming in for Teddy Bridgewater and then it was, um, obviously, uh, Case Keenan coming in for Sam Bradford. So look, if we, if, if recent history tells us anything, it's the fact that Kirk Cousins health, it, it's not a guarantee. Okay. Uh, just because they signed this big money contract 
the past two years, like, they have not worked out the way they have intended to there in Minnesota. So that, that could actually be the biggest detriment to that team. Rick Spielman is an unbelievable drafter of talent. And he has just had a, uh, a blind spot at the quarterback position. I mean, like, not even a blind, he had a blind spot for a while and then he just sort of has gotten unlucky with his quarterback acquisition. Like, you get Bradford and he plays all season, then he's hurt. Bridgewater looks like he's a franchise quarterback. He gets hurt. So you finally go out and spin big on Case Keenan, maybe, uh, Kirk Cousins. Maybe you're right. Maybe the offensive line is the problem. That's that's one of those decisions where you know you, you buy like the used car and it just keeps breaking down on you. <laughs> then, then, then you get like a lease and then you get a lemon. So that car doesn't work and you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna pay out the ass to try to get this brand new spanking car that I know that's gonna run and be dependable and help us get to where we're trying to do. That, that's like one of those purchases. And then you wreck it up r- driving off the lot. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> exactly. You don't have insurance for it yet. <laughs> All right, last one. Buy or sell, the Cleveland Browns can be the second best team in the AFC North. Ooh, um, I'm selling it. Um, I just, I think they're, you know, with all the hype and everything that they've added between the draft and with um, free agency and, and the pieces that they have, I just don't think they can take the jump that they need to. And I also think there's um, there's probably the sense of this. <laughs> Huge Jackson's is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. That's not a newsflash, okay? And if they don't win some games early, it's like how quick are the calls going to be for him to get fired? And it just it seems like it'd be inevitable. And I've been in those locker rooms. It's hard to get players to play for you, regardless of how talented they are, Regardless of how good of a team you think you have, it's hard to get him to play for a coach or really to care and, and play with reckless abandon if they feel like this guy's not going to be around. Because guess what happens? That coach gets fired. There's no guarantee you're on the roster whether you're under contract or not. And so you start playing to make sure that you enter, you know, exit the season healthy. And that becomes your first concern over anything else. Mm. And that's very likely to happen because you know, again, is a playoffs or bust for the Browns and, and Jackson? Is it a winning record? I mean, if you look at the ROI, it, it'd be pretty ridiculous to go from winning no games to winning eight. But I still don't think that's going to be enough uh, for the Browns. And I think in that division, nine and seven is probably your second best team. Pittsburgh by far and away is the favorite. So that nine and seven record is going to Cincinnati or Baltimore. I, I think the cool joke is going to be this. It's going to be Cincinnati going like nine and seven and being the second best team. And them still being in that purgatory of like, what do we do with Marvin Lewis? Do we keep him? Do we move on? And Andy, Andy Dalton, I think, has like a bounce back year and plays great. And, uh, it kind of proves a lot of the doubters wrong because I think they've, they've improved a lot of the things that they needed to, uh, as well as far as like the, you know, free agency and the draft and all that. So I think they'll be better and they've already got a pretty good defense. Yeah. And the offensive line much better. And Joe Mixon could be a, a feature back. And you, when you talk about Hugh Jackson, they get the Steelers in week one. They're six and a half point dogs at home. Then they go to the Saints. They're going to be 10 point dogs there. Then they get the Jets at home. They, they'll be favored in that game, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Then they're at the Raiders, probably not favored there. Then they get the Ravens and Chargers at home before at Buccaneers at Steelers. I mean, I like the idea of the Browns getting better and, and making a run of the playoffs, but that's, that reeks of one and seven with Hugh Jackson. Um, and I think, oh yes, beautiful. The Jets game at home, not even on a on a sat, on a Sunday. So Hugh Jackson, you get, yeah, it's a Thursday game, right? But he's never won. That's, he's never that's, won that's a Donald's first start. That's probably right. But but Hugh Jackson, you realize, has never won a professional football game in Cleveland on a Sunday. Uh, that 
is one hundred percent true. That's right. He beat the, he beat the two Chargers one, one game on a Saturday. That's actually that's like actually one of those trivia questions where it's just a safe bet. Like, would you be willing to bet everything you own? And you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. He's only won one game. What are the odds, right? One in one in thirty one that I am not going to get this this question right, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like so obvious. It's like okay, there's no way it was on a Sunday then, and yeah. So maybe he wins his maybe he wins his second game with the Browns on a Thursday, and then he gets fired four weeks later. Uh, I got bad news for you, Brady. We're out of time. Uh, I got even worse news for you. This is such a fun podcast that when the boss people hear it, they're probably going to work it into your contract. And the the worstest news, you can't actually ask for any more money. When you, when part, you, of, yeah. part of the well, that's that's <laughs> that's gonna be a sticking point. I'd but, like you know, I'd like some of, more money to talk to Brinson. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually talked to him about in, in my negotiations, so they'll know this. Uh, when they talked about doing a doing a, a podcast, I said the only person I'm going to work with is Will Brinson. Did they you said Pete Prisco? And I literally started to throw up. That was my reaction. So I'm hoping we can do this more often. I do think we have a fun rapport. And I think if we could just stay on the straight and narrow and not break off on tangents, I think there's a chance that we can actually get something to accomplish. Well, tangents are fun. And by the way, Pete hosted the guest host of this podcast while I was on vacation and he spent a week with Nick Costas complaining about how I was on vacation and I spent the entire vacation. I was on vacation for three weeks and all I did was tweet. And then Pete went on vacation for three, three weeks and won't stop tweeting. And it's like, like well, I mean, what more could you expect from Crystal? You guys need a vacation for your vacation. That's right. Um, and by the way, Nick Costos goes on enough vacations. That, that kid's life is an entire vacation. It's, so. unbe- it's unbelievable. He and, his, he and his baby daddy, Pete Prisco, go on vacation all the time. All right, Brady. <laughs> Always fun. Uh, listen to Brady on SiriusXM. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Follow him at third underscore goal on Twitter. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Always a pleasure.